You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled God's Storyboard. Enjoy. Let's receive from him. I'm believing the Lord for every need to be met in this place according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Father, we wake ourselves up this morning. We open our eyes, the eyes of our heart, and we ask your Holy Spirit to illuminate our heart with the light of Jesus Christ. Show us how good you are. Show us your calling upon our lives, the confidence and certainty of your calling. Show us the riches of our inheritance in you. Show us the immeasurable, unsurpassed resurrection power of Christ that's inside of us now. We give you our full attention. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think it was, was it Friday, Jen, we watched the movie? When, when was that? When did we rent or purchase the Disney film? Sunday. Yeah, maybe about a week ago, our, our family and I purchased a classic uh, Disney animated film called Lady and the Tramp. Anybody ever seen Lady and the Tramp? All right, all right. And I don't know how long it's been since I've seen it, but it's, it's probably since the kids were little. But as the movie started, I was reminded of the quality of those classic Disney films. I mean, from the first note, you've got this beautifully written, arranged, orchestrated, and produced song, music, and, and every, every screen is so well done with the mixing and blending of colors and the movement of the characters and the, and, and the personality of each character. And I was just reminded of the quality of those films. But what I liked most of all is we got into the special features after we watched the movie. And um, one of the special features was about storyboarding. And the title of today's message is God's Storyboard. So storyboarding uh, was a process that actually was used even back to the silent films. But it was really cultivated and developed at Walt Disney Studio. And uh, do anyone know how long uh, it took to make the movie Lady and the Tramp? It came out in 1963. Anyone know how long it took to make Andre? Do you know the answers? No? He was just at Disney. I wonder if he knew. <laughs> how many? Anyone want to guess? How many say one year? A year? Three years? Ten to twelve years. And that was very common for Walt Disney. They said some of his films took decades. Let's talk about storyboarding. Why did, why did that movie take 10 to 12 years? Because Walt was committed to the vision he had inside. And he was committed to what was inside of him showing up in just that way on the outside. So they use this process called storyboarding. And what is storyboarding? Storyboarding is when you have a vision inside and you produce a series of images that communicate that vision to the world around you. So Walt had this vision inside of these characters and of this story, and then he would himself and other illustrators would draw these images as he would communicate what was inside of him. And sometimes those images would have descriptions on them and text and, and directions for the cameras, and, and, and they would put them one after one, the opening scene, and they'd go all the way through the entire movie and have all these boards of images. And they'd talk through them and look at them, and he'd say, that doesn't agree with the image inside of me. I'm just paraphrasing, but basically he, they, they would take that one off and put another one on that agreed with the image inside of him. And he kept doing that for 10 to 12 years until he knew that he captured what was inside of him. There are a lot of benefits to storyboarding. Certainly clear communication being the most 
the greatest benefit. Clearly, clarity of vision. Clearly communicating to the world around you what's inside of you. It also allows for any necessary adjustments or changes. We're going to talk about God's storyboard. Because God has a vision in his heart that he wants to communicate to mankind with perfect clarity. And this vision has been in him since he was I am. He has no beginning. And he's revealed this vision to us through his storyboard. This is God's storyboard. And I encourage you regularly, and a friend of mine just said before service, they just got a hard copy Bible, to get a hard copy Bible. And I recommend something like New King James or New American Standard, um, Revised Standard Version, American Standard Version, a number of versions to get, but New King James is a good one. Um, I have the Old King James, the original. I just like some of the poetic ways it says things, some, some powerful wording in there. But it's, it is challenging to read if you're not used to it. So, but the, the point is, with a hard copy Bible, it's, it has no batteries. It needs no backlight. And you can see so much at a glance that you cannot on any device. Okay? Even on my, you know, 20-some-inch iMac, I can't see as much as I can see on this. Okay? So you need one of these. This is God's storyboard for you. God has put images in this book to communicate to you how much he loves you and his amazing destiny for your life. But if you're not in this book, you're not going to get it. God's destiny is not automatic. It doesn't just automatically happen. Let's look at this, okay? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and let's look at God's storyboard. Look at the vision that's in God's heart. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, this is the vision in the heart of God. This was his vision long before he ever made any of us, long before he made Adam and Eve. This is what was in his heart. Verse 18, he has the heart of a father. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, I, I uh, share with you, and I share with it just for the glory of God, but I grew up in a difficult home situation, a lot of pain, and, and uh, I didn't quite get this. I will be a father to you, and you'll be sons and daughters to me. But what's interesting, even in the midst of my dysfunctional family with all the crazy stuff going on, without ever reading the Bible, I knew something was wrong. I just knew as a, a little boy, you know, four, five, six years old, that this shouldn't be this way. Why is that? Because God made us in his image. And when you're experiencing something that is contrary to him, it rubs against you the wrong way inside. Yeah, right. And then, I, thankfully, the, the Lord reached me and got a hold of me and opened my eyes at 19. And when I came to know Christ, I thought, wow, how wonderful it would be to be a husband and a father, to have children and to have a home that they're thrilled about being a part of, that they love to be in. I was at 19, 20 years old, and I wasn't married. But this heart of a father started to grow in me. We're getting God's vision. And I, I had this picture of a home with kids running around and laughing and fun Christmases and Thanksgivings. And, and this was just growing inside of me as I began to spend time with my Heavenly Father. There's something very special about being a father. 
something very special because that's the heart of God. He wants to be a father to you. And I know that can be frightening if you've experienced some stuff with your biological father or growing up, but I want you to know God's not that way. He'll never betray you. He'll never hurt you. He'll never mislead you. He'll never manipulate you. He'll he'll never run out on you. He'll never play head games with you. Uh, He'll never uh, do anything negative to you. He'll love you perfectly. So this vision in God's heart began to form in my heart as a young man as I just spent time with him and read his storyboard. And I want to encourage you to to spend hours and hours and hours and hours in this book. Not a few minutes here and there. Your destiny depends on it. Don't get religious with it. We're not trying to earn anything from God. We're not doing this because we feel guilty. We want to discover our destiny. We want God's vision for our life to be very clear. And I think back to those early years in the late 80s when I was beginning to know him, and I would spend hours with him, just, and I would just read this book every chance I got. And I look back now, and I thought, all that time that I spent with him, I didn't even realize the healing that was taking place inside of me. I didn't realize that my life was being saved, that he was building things into me that I would need many years later. Like now. I'm telling you, when you make the decision to spend time in God's storyboard and to observe, to absorb His Word, you are making an investment in your present and an investment in your future that will pay huge dividends. Huge. 30, 60, 100 fold. Look at 1 John 3.1. We're looking at the vision in the heart of the Father. Then we'll look at his storyboard. 1 John 3.1. This is the vision in his heart. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. This is the vision in his heart, to be a father to you. To be a father to mankind. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of of God. Jeremiah 29:11, the vision in God's heart for you, for mankind. For I know the plans I have for you. I know the vision in my heart, declares the Lord. The vision in my heart, my plans for you are to prosper you. That word is shalom, the Hebrew It means wholeness and prosperity. My plans are for wholeness and prosperity, not to harm you. Don't you ever believe a thought like that? Plans to give you hope in the future. You see, the only reason we don't come running to God is because we don't realize how much He loves us. The moment you realize how much He loves you, you'll run to Him and you'll stay with Him for the rest of your life. The King James says to give you an expected end. The message says to give you the future you hope for. To give you the future you hope for. So God's vision is about you being whole and prospering. So let's look at God's storyboard. So he wants to communicate this heart of a father to mankind. What's the first thing he does in Genesis? He restores the earth. We won't go into that, but if you'll read in Genesis chapter 1, between verses 1 and 2, the earth had had been destroyed because Satan was cast down to the earth. And there was darkness over the earth. It was a mess. It was chaos if you study those two verses. And God, God didn't want that. So he created man in his own image, He created a son and a daughter called Adam and Eve. But before he did that, he turned the earth into a paradise. He brought his beauty into the earth. He brought his order and his peace and his love. There was uh, no darkness in the earth. There was no need to sleep. No one ever got tired. 
It's kind of hard for us to imagine that, right? Yeah. Never, never getting tired, right? Not even a little bit. Full of life and strength all the time. So in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see God's storyboard. He creates paradise. Remember, every image that God gives us is revealing to us His will toward us. When God restored the earth in Genesis 1, there were no thorns in it. There were no mosquitoes. There were no poisonous things. There were no storms. There were no tragedies. There were no earthquakes. There was no crime. There was no rape. There was no murder. There was no war. There was no lack. And in the midst of this perfect environment, he makes his son and daughter in his own image. And what was the first thing that his son saw when he opened his eyes? Do you know? The face of his father. It says God breathed into his nostrils. So the first thing that Adam saw was the face of his father. And you know what his father was doing? Just what I'm doing right now. Smiling at him. He looked into the face of perfect love, the first sight that he ever saw. Why wasn't the first thing that he saw a beautiful mountain or a river? Because the heart of God is the heart of a relationship with you. Now, unfortunately, there are a lot of things in the Bible that are not according to God's will. We see man's rejection of God. So not every picture in here is, is God's intention, okay? You're going to see the rebellion of man in here. You're going to see some horrible things in here. But don't, don't misunderstand. That's not God's will, all right? That's man's sin. That's Satan trying to mess things up. So in God's storyboard, he begins by giving us a clear vision of what he wants for us, paradise, face-to-face relationship, okay? And then we know not long after that, because immediately we know Satan comes immediately to steal the word away. Man listens to the wrong voices, listens to Satan, and rejects God and destroys God's storyboard. Destroys creation. Sin entered into the earth and wrecked it. Completely wrecked it. And when sin entered into the earth, so did all the other stuff that we don't like, that, we, that is harmful to us. The poisons and the thorns and the uh, animals got, began to turn on each other and, and turn on all kinds of things happened. The earth shifted on its axis and uh, it, it, then we had darkness and we had um, earthquakes and tornadoes and All of that stuff happened. It was not a part of God's storyboard. That was a storyboard that man began to create through his sin. Okay? What ended up happening is Satan became the God of this world. It's good to know that. Because there are many uh, churches that teach that everything that happens in this world is God's will. The Bible doesn't teach that. God is sovereign, but we have to understand and rightly define his sovereignty. What many churches teach is that God is sovereign, which means that everything that happens is a part of his plan. That is ignorance. That's man trying to explain tragedy with his own reasoning. The Bible doesn't teach that, okay? God is sovereignty. How do we rightly define his sovereignty? It means he's above all. There's no one like him. He's perfect in all his ways. He has no beginning. He has no end. He's, he, he's, he's God. He's, in a, he's God all by himself. All right? But in his sovereignty, again, this is the vision, he wanted relationship. Can you have relationship with a robot? You really can. Siri's a fake. You can't have a relationship with, what's that, Alexa? Really? Have we ever played them, what what your phone says when you say, call my husband? Have we ever played that on the microphone? Come on up here and play that for him. We're going to show you. 
why God, why God made us free will individuals. Yeah, so just say, hey, Siri, call my husband. Okay, let's give her a mic there. Did you hear that? Which husband? I'm shocked. I am shocked. So we're going to Siri for marriage counseling now. So. <laughs> but listen, no matter how advanced they make these automated systems, they're just that. They're automated systems. They've been programmed with data to respond to data you give them. They're not human beings, and they never will be. Only God could create a human being. So he, in order to have a relationship, he had to give us a free will. Why? Because real love demands real freedom. I can't force my wife to be my wife. That's not love. She has to choose to love me. I have to choose to love her. Love is, love is a decision, right? So without this free will, we have no love. So God made man free, free to reject him if he wanted to. Love is willing to take that risk because the, the, the joy of real love is worth it. The power of real love is worth the risk. The power of real love is worth the risk. We're not looking for security, we're looking for real love. Not looking for everything to be just so and so in our lives. We're looking for real love to take over. So man rejected God of his free will. Satan became the God of this world. And things happen in this world that are, not, are happening every day that are not God's will. So you can't determine what God's will is by looking at the world around you. You've got to know it by studying his storyboard by studying the images of his heart that he's given us in this book. So about 1,650 years later, I'm just kind of rounding them off, man had given himself entirely to evil. About 1,650 years after God created man. Let's put Genesis 6 up there. Are you guys still awake? We're just going to take our time and go through this, and I believe this will help you tremendously when we're all done, okay? So let's just look at this. So is that verse 5? Go to verse 5. There we go. This is about 1,650 years of man walking in sin, Satan being the God of this world, man listening to Satan. Verse 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Look at this. In every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Wow. Can you imagine that? Only evil continually. Only evil continually. Wow. They were beyond rescuing. Now don't let the devil tell you you are. You're not. Don't buy into that. You're not. But they were, okay? Christ hadn't come into the earth yet. Verse 6, and it repented the Lord. Remember the heart of a father. He wants relationship with mankind. It repented the Lord. He had to change his mind. He had to turn 180 degrees in the opposite direction. That he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Wow. Why? It wasn't his will. A lot of things that grieve his heart. They're going on this earth every day that are not his will. You say, why doesn't he change them? He can't. He gave us authority over the earth. Satan stole that, but Christ came and got it back and gives it to anyone who puts their faith in him. Satan's under your feet, right? But verse 8, but there's a guy named Noah that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What, what is what, a man I can have a relationship with? 
And so he connected with Noah and he had him build an ark. And, and you know what happened? The earth was flooded. God had to start over with Noah and his family. And after that, I can't imagine what that would have been like. They estimated it took Noah maybe 90 to 100 years to build the ark. And after all that, to see everything wiped out, except you and your family, and you're on this ship with two animals of every kind. I can't even imagine what that experience must, experience must have been like. But here they are, after that's all done, and the water recides. And what appears in the sky? God's storyboard. Remember, these are images God gives us. What was the purpose of this beautiful rainbow in the sky? God is saying, listen, I'm making a covenant with you, mankind. I will never do that again. Heart of a father. About 400 years after that, God calls a man named Abram. Abram grew up in a pagan family worshiping pagan gods with his father. And God speaks to him. He says, Abram, I want you to come out of that pagan tradition, and I want you to walk with me and follow me. And then he makes a promise to Abram. He says, through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Through your seed. He was talking of the Messiah. So he makes a promise to Abram. This is God's storyboard that he's going to bring a a son into the earth that's actually going to bless every nation of the earth. God's storyboard. See, God wanted to turn around this dark place. God wanted to change it. God wanted to give man authority again over the earth. About 430 years after Abram, the heart of man again became so hard, the heart of God's people, and instead of having a relationship with him, they had, had, had just absolutely rejected God. He had to give them the law. Because they basically were convinced they didn't need God, that they had everything covered and they can do things their own way. So God gave them the law to show them how, how, how much they needed a Savior. All right? And about 1,446 years after the law was given, Christ entered into the earth in the womb of a virgin. This is God's storyboard here. Now, of course, we could take a long time. There's a lot of picture. We're just giving you some of the highlights here of his film. (laughs) So Christ, the son that God prophesied to Abram, enters the earth in the womb of a virgin. This is the salvation of the world in a virgin's womb. And this baby's going to be born. Satan's going to try and kill him multiple times, but he's not going to succeed. And this baby's going to grow up and, become, and, and increase in stature and wisdom and favor with God and man and, and begin a ministry of salvation when he's about 30 years old. And then he's going to bear, the, about 33 years later, he's going to bear the full curse of sin on the cross. He's going to become sin on the cross. He's going to take all of the punishment of the sin of mankind upon himself, he's going to give up his spirit, descend into hell, and die. And bear the wrath of God, the full wrath of God, for three days. And on the third day, he's going to be raised up by the Holy Spirit because he himself was innocent. And he's going to appear to his disciples for 40 days. He presents his blood in the heavenly tabernacle of tabernacles. And he begins a whole new era of human life. And now God's salvation is available to anyone at any time, anywhere, through simple faith in Christ. He ushered in the day of salvation, the acceptable time of the Lord, and that's now. Now let's get it a little more specific. What about God's storyboard for you in 2019 and 2020? I will never be able to grasp the vastness of God, but that he's created, I don't know how many people have been born since Adam, but he had a unique plan for each one of them that fit with his master plan. You want to talk about management. Woof. How does he do that, right? 
How does he oversee the billions and billions of people, uh, who knows how many people, since Adam and coordinate destinies? Well, because he's God. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. And I want you to understand something. If you want to know what your destiny is in 2019 and 2020, give your whole person to Jesus Christ. As you get to know Jesus, you'll get to know the real you. See, the real you has been covered up by years of wrong thinking, by years of wrong philosophies and wrong believing. And it's like when we come to Christ, we, we, we come into the presence of perfect love and truth and life, and that wrong thinking starts fading away. And we choose to replace the wrong thinking with what Christ says, and the real us comes to life. First John, excuse me, Colossians 1.15, talking about God's storyboard for your life. What's the image that you need on your storyboard? Well, you need Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. See, if you'll lose yourself in Jesus, you'll find him. You'll find yourself. If you'll lose yourself in Christ, you'll find the real you. It is the only way to find the real you. John 10.10. Here's the image of God speaking. And he says what I've been talking about. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. These things are not the will of my Father. I haven't come for that. I came that mankind might have life and might have it abundantly. The message says more and better life than they ever dreamed of. What's God's storyboard for you? More and better life than you've ever dreamed of. The Living Bible says, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. So if there's something in your life that's blocking that, God wants to remove that. Sometimes we can hold on to ideas and ways of doing things that are blocking God's destiny for us. And because He loves that, He wants to reveal that to you. Listen, knowing Him means we're changing regularly. It's just the way it is. That, because He's perfect. <laughs> Right? But we have a mind that needs to be renewed. We have things we've done for years that we need to change. So just get used to submitting to Him and letting Him change you. It's, it's, it's the, the greatest decision you could ever make is to submit yourself to the one who made you. And not go with Him with an attitude, just say, Lord, you change me. You shape and mold me. I'm yours now. The New Living Translation says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. God's storyboard for you in 2019, 2020. How well does God know you? We can fool people, right? We, we, we're good at, at creating images and different faces and being like this around one person like that. That's what the world teaches us, right? Our profile. We've got all kinds of pro pics. But look what Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you had an Insta, I knew you. <laughs> Before you had any followers or Facebook friends, I knew you. God's plan for your life was written before you were born. His storyboard was created before you were in the womb. Look at Psalm 139. So make sure you're still awake. Everyone good? Look around. Make sure everyone's awake. Give him a little pinch on the cheek. Which cheek is up to you? Just make sure they're awake. So. 
Psalm 139, verse 13. I love this. This psalm saved my life at 19, 20. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Lord. See, I didn't know all this, and I started reading this, and I said, dear God, how much I need you. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. Ooh, that's comforting right there. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Anyone have a grandma who did knitting when you were little? I loved going to my grandma's house, ended up living with them for a period of time. But it was just cozy there. Grandma would be sitting in her chair doing little things, you know. And there's just a warmth about grandmas. You knit me together in my mother's room. So I see God sitting on his rocking chair. <laughs> thinking of you and smiling. There's a pie in the oven. <laughs> Guess what happened to me yesterday? I had my first homemade pumpkin pie of the fall season. Thank you to my wife and children. It's my favorite. And I had a piece this morning for breakfast. But don't tell anyone I do stuff like that. Dana caught me right before we left, so I figured I better confess it. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14. I praise you. Oh, I'm telling you, praise him. Praise him in your private life. If you're feeling down, confused, just start praising him. Praise him. Worship him. Adore him. Sing to him. Dance before him. Shout. Praise him in your private life. I remember I came to know him, and there was a little chapel I used to go to that used, there was no one there, and I'd go in this little chapel and had red carpet on the floor, and I'd go in this little side room by the entrance uh, when no one was in there, and I'd just jump up and down before him and shout and sing and worship him and read this psalm and other psalms and save my life. I praise you because I'm a failure and not worth anything. No. I praise you because you made me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. This is one of the reasons that depression can get a hold on someone because they don't know this very well. See, when you begin worshiping him, that he made you, that you're wonderful, that you're fearfully crafted by the God of the universe, that you're custom made, that you're unique, you're his very own, when you know that very well, depression will lose its grip on you. Depression brings with it a bad self-image. Right? Come on. A negative image of yourself and a negative image of others. You can, this is what praising him... Reading his storyboard will do. It will change the image you have of yourself. Do you know why hurting people hurt people? Because they have a bad image of themselves. It's not an excuse. But when you have a negative image of yourself, it blocks you from living the abundant life. Reading his storyboard, his word, and praising him will change that. I know it full well. I'm convinced that I'm wonderful. I am Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body vision. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's a lot of writing. Yes, yes. You're important. 
You're really important. God wrote a book just about you. Wow. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. The Living Bible says it this way in verse 17. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. And when I waken in the morning, you are still thinking of me. That's what love is like, right? When you love someone, you think of them. The more you love them, the more you think of them, right? He's thinking of you all the time because he loves you with all of his heart. Ephesians 2.10. We're just getting a picture of the heart of God here and what he wants for your life in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified, this is about you, says, for you are God's own handiwork. Wow. You are His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, why? That we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the what kind of life? the more and better life than you ever dreamed of. The rich and satisfying life. The abundant life. Right? Which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. This is what I want you to understand. You have to, obviously, the most important thing is that we grasp the love of God the love that he has for us and his plan and purpose for us. But it's also important to understand, as I said earlier, that it's not automatic. God's plan for your life will not automatically happen. God's will for your life will not automatically happen. Why? Because we're free will individuals. I can do whatever I want today. I can. I can go home and, and take that pumpkin pie out of the refrigerator and throw it in the trash which would be sinful, but I could do it. <laughs> I could do it because I'm a free will individual. But this is a big deal that we're free will beings, okay? It's important because religion, again, tells you whatever happens is somehow a part of God's plan. And that's, you know, there's an old French saying, uh, c'est la vie, uh, what is it, uh, que sera, sera, right? What will be, will be. <laughs> That's what I say to that. I don't know how you say that in French, but that's how I say it. Someone translate that for me. All right. Listen, if you want to experience the more and better life, the rich and satisfying life, the abundant life that God has prepared for you, you've got to come to him and develop a relationship with him and submit to him as your Lord. There's no other way. There's no free ride. Now, we say free, but Christ paid the price for our salvation, didn't he? So in one sense, it's free to us, but there is a cost to following him. All right, let's look at this cost, this cost to fulfilling your destiny. Uh, actually, could you put up Romans 12, 1 and 2, and like the New King James, Eden. There is a cost. I know Christ paid that price for our salvation, but you have to count the cost. You know what? Before you have Romans 12, 1 and 2, uh, let me just, let's go to Luke, Luke 14. I'm sorry. Let's go ahead to Luke 14. Luke 14, 26. There is a cost 
to giving your life to him. And you have to decide, am I willing to pay that? But I'll tell you, when you realize what you're getting, it's like, okay, are you willing to pay, you know, a dollar and 30 cents for this new, uh, 2020 Lamborghini? Oh, yeah, I, I can do that, you know. So as you're counting the cost, look at what you're getting, okay? <laughs> if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, this is Jesus talking. Is it up there? Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. This is a big deal, isn't it? What's he saying here? Sometimes people take Jesus literally and they get confused, or he's speaking figuratively, or using a figure of speech, or trying to make a point. He's not, obviously, he doesn't want us to hate. What does he say? I'm to be your all. If there's anyone or anything that competes with your love for me, you can't be my disciple. Do you see that? Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. This is another, this is Matthew's recording of what Christ said. He says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Wow. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. What happened on a cross? You died, right? Right? Are you willing to lose yourself? For him. Look at verse 39. Here's what happens if you do. He who has found his life shall lose it. In other words, if you think you're all set, you're going to miss out. You're going to lose it. You're never going to fulfill your destiny. And he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. What? God's storyboard. God's destiny. The best thing you could ever do is to lose yourself in Christ. It's the best thing you could ever do. Let's see if we have time to finish this here. Yeah. So let's go back to verse uh, 27 in Luke 14. I'm sorry, Eden. I'm jumping ahead around here. L- let me read the message translation of Matthew 10:39. So that the New American Standard says, He who has found his life shall lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. Verse 39 in the message translation says, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. (laughs) Woo! Isn't that great? If your first concern is you, you'll never find you. my life and having things my way and doing what I want, you're lost. You'll never find yourself. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself, yeah, forget about it. (laughs) If you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. If you're not reading this book regularly, you're not looking to Him. Just telling you. If you're not making time in your daily life to be in this book, you haven't stopped looking at yourself yet. Got to be real. I cannot emphasize to you enough the importance of getting a hard copy Bible and eating it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. All right, now let's go back to verse 27 of Luke 14. Luke 14 says, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
Now, here, here's where we go. He says, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation, is not able to finish, all who observe, observe it begin to ridicule him. Think of your destiny. Do you want to finish and fulfill your destiny? So if I look at myself, I'm not counting the cost. I might make some progress, but I'm going to get it to a point where I'm not going to finish, and it's going to be shameful. And they're going to say, look at him. He had a good start, but he couldn't finish. I don't want that to happen to me. Keep looking at Jesus then. Saying, this man begun to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and take counsel whether he's strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else why? You have opposition in this world, don't you? Right? Satan's the god of this world. You need to count the cost of following God. Do you believe that God is greater than, the, than those who are against you? Absolutely. Or else, why would the other, or else, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks terms of peace. So therefore, no one of you can be my disciples who does not give up all his own possessions. Love it. Have you given him everything you own? That doesn't mean you give it away. It means there's nothing you own that competes with your attention compared to Christ. In other words, He has your heart. He has your attention. He has your desires. You've given everything to Him. Therefore, salt is good, but even if salt has become tasteless, what will it be seasoned? With what will it be seasoned? It is useless either for the soil or for the measure for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So you see, spending time in this book and spending time praising and worshiping the Lord makes you salty. Not in a bad way, not grumpy or irritable, but it, it, when you go into, uh, it, you become the one who flavors your relationships. You come into a situation that tastes bad and bland and it becomes flavorful and good. Spending time with God turns you into the best seasoning this world could ever find. You become a bottle of hot sauce when you spend time with Him. <laughs> now, let's finish up. Because if I could ever impart anything to you, it would be this, to give your whole self to Him. Without reservation. And you'll know if there's anything in your life that you're, that's competing with Him, you'll know right away. Just give it to Him. And get on with the good things He has for you. So let's look at the boy Jesus at age 12, because this is for everybody. Destiny is for 12-year-olds. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Uh, I, I, I value Luke's account because he gives us insight into the boyhood life of Jesus that we don't have in the other Gospels. But we'll just kind of summarize for time's sake. So basically, Jesus' family, his parents, they go to Jerusalem every year for the Passover feast, verse 42. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up, according to their custom, verse 43. And when they'd finished the days of the feast, they returned, but the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. So they're traveling with a, a, a company of relatives and friends, and they left and didn't realize that their 12-year-old son wasn't with him. They supposed, verse 44, that he was somewhere in the company with Uncle Fred or someone, and they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And no one knew where he was. So verse 45, they didn't find him, so they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. They had no idea where he was. Very important to know that. And they spent 12 years with this boy Messiah. Now, it was, so it was after three days, they found him in the temple. 
in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. What was he doing? He was in church, listening and asking questions. He'd been there three days. And all who heard him, 12 years old, were astonished at his understanding and answers. Don't underestimate the age of your children, parents. Destiny starts real early. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? She's offended. You'd think she'd be rejoicing and and sit and listen to him herself. Instead, she gets offended. She says, Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 14 and Matthew 10. We just read it. And look what he says to them. Why did you seek me? You know me. I've been living with you. Why didn't you know where I was? Don't you know what's important to me? You're my mother. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? They should have known that, shouldn't they? He demonstrated that clearly to them already. But they didn't understand the statements which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And look what happened because of Jesus' attitude and commitment to be about his father's business. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Even Jesus had to have a hard copy Bible and read it and study it. He was in the scriptures regularly. He was in church regularly listening and asking questions. And because of that, he increased. Right? So I want to say to you that you have a destiny in 2019 and 2020. Okay, I do want to get Romans 12 up there. Uh, Dana, can you put Romans 12, 1 and 2 up there? But this is the only way you're going to be able to fulfill it. You've got to give your whole self to the one who made you. Romans 12 verse 1 says, I beseech you. That's strong. I I, I want this for you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, not religious legalism, not man's religious tradition, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is why sexual immorality is so devastating. It affects your body. Your body's a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It just makes good sense. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now look at that. So if you do these things, you'll know the will of God, right? If I give my body to the Lord, right, in worship, if I renew my mind, then I'll be able to know His will. What if I don't? I won't. I'm not talking about works. I'm not trying to earn them. I'm saying you've got to be in Him. You've got to give your whole self to Him if you want to know His will. And we talk about being led by the Spirit, and and it's the way to live. But listen, you're not going to be able to hear clearly what the Spirit is instructing you to do if you're not pursuing Christ. If you're not in this hard copy book alone with Him regularly, you're not going to be able to interpret what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. This is a relationship. You've got to know Him. Are you hearing me? I believe the Lord wanted me to impress this upon you because we're coming into a new year and God has things He wants to bring into your life that will blast your socks off. But listen, following the Holy Spirit isn't me just going through my life, you know, listening for a voice. Following the Holy Spirit is getting alone with Christ and reading His Word. Are you hearing me? Listen, put it in park and just listen for a moment. I know it's, we, we've got uh, an afternoon ahead of us, but I feel this is something you need to get now. And I want my conscience to be clear, so I'm going to give it to you, okay? There are decisions facing you for this new year. But don't just say, I got it. Get alone with Christ. Give Him every desire you have.
and read this book till it's coming out of your ears. Fill yourself. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Which is, which is key for the rest of that verse. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. His Word, His peace, His guidance. It all comes from, from knowing Him. And this is His book. This book has saved my life over and over and over and over again. I would not be here today if I hadn't chose to eat this book and make it the primary food in my diet. So don't make life decisions casually. You have a destiny to fulfill, a rich, satisfying life that's more and better than you've ever dreamed of, but it's not going to automatically happen. You've got to give yourself to the author of that destiny. It's relationship. Take time today. Take time tomorrow to get alone with him. You say, well, I don't have time. Make it. Your future depends upon it. Make time to get alone with you. Make it. It's that important. It's that important. Make it. Become, become skilled in the Word of God. Know His promises. They're your, they're your armor and your protection. Know who he is and what he's done for you. And you'll find as you're reading this book, he will speak to your heart in very specific ways. Specifically to you and the decisions you have to make. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for being the author of our destiny. Before we were formed in our mother's womb, you knew us. And you're so loving and kind. You're so good. You wanted us to know you so badly. You gave your son for us. You gave everything to know us. We give everything to know you. And we worship you. We give you everything, Holy Spirit. We're going forward with you as the focus of our lives. Knowing you. Experiencing you. Walking with you. Hearing from you. Doing all that you have in your heart for us to do. Just worship Him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, God. We worship You. Shoni amulare gundore. Shoni amulare. Kushi amulare gundore. Shoni amulare gundi. Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone here that you would strengthen and encourage and bring to light the rich and satisfying, abundant life that you've prepared for each one of us. Lord, that any decisions that are standing before us shine the light of Christ on them. That our motivation for every decision we make would be a giving of ourselves to you. I'm really trying to fit this into a box, but it's 
Listen, when you give your whole self to Christ, I'm, I, I felt the Lord remind me of something. I may even wrote it down. When you give yourself to him, you'll begin valuing the things that he values. Do you know what's the most important thing in the earth right now to God? It's his kingdom and his body. So I want to say this to, to all of you, no matter what age you are. And I, I hear advice parents give to their children. But I don't hear them saying this. What, how are you going to grow the kingdom of God? What, how are you going to use your gifts to build the body of Christ? That should be the first question every child's asked. Not, not are you going to college? Not what, what field are you going in? But children should be taught to spend time with him and to be thinking of their future in terms of, of the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. So we make in our life decisions, these two things are paramount, right? Because these are important to God. So how are we going to use, this is what I want you to pray about, how are we going to use our gifts for the kingdom of God and to build the body of Christ in 2019 and 2020? Thank you. Thank you. How are we going to employ ourselves? How are we going to invest in God's kingdom? How, what are we going to do to grow the kingdom and build the body in 2019 and 2020? Because we must be about our Father's business, not about a career, not about what the world says we d should do, but what the f what's important to the Father is now a priority to us. Thank you, Lord. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.